0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. You know what? We're going to talk about healing tonight. And uh, you know, you need, to, you need to know that if you don't, haven't already figured this out, that anytime you decide to stand... For your healing, the devil's going to come at you at some point and say, what makes you think you're going to get healed? Just what makes you think God's going to heal you? Just what makes you think it's going to work this time? Just what makes you think? Just what You need to have an answer for him. 1 Peter 3.15 says that we ought to always be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. Well, the amplified version of that says to give a logical defense. Well, now, you know, the devil's not asking you why you believe it. He's telling you most of the time what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. He's telling you what the worst-case scenario is. He's telling you that this isn't going to work. He's going to tell you that it's never going to work, that you're not this, you're not that, you're not the other. But you need, to, you need to have a reason for everybody who asks you when you talk to somebody about healing the fact that it's part of the provision that God has given to us through the shed blood of Jesus, you need to give them a reason. But when the devil comes at you, you need to give him a reason. Sometimes it's as simple as God said it's mine. And sometimes you can just do a Bible lesson for him. So tonight we're gonna to give you some reasons where you can just give him a Bible lesson. How about that? But you know, it's, it's always good to repeat. I'm not saying that these are the only things, only reasons, but I'm just giving you six. Tonight, for why you can just look at somebody and say, This is the reason why I I expect to be healed. So we're going to go, first of all, hallelujah. Number one, you know, because God healed in the old testament and he's not changed. There's a good reason right there. You know, over in the New Testament, the lady that Jesus healed that was bowed over, Jesus said, Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham be healed? The God of Abraham, the God of Abraham of the Old Testament, is still at work today, folks. You know, in Hebrews 8.6, go over there with me real quick. Hebrews 8 6. It's, It's talking about Jesus says, now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises, a better covenant. You know, just the fact that that woman was healed because she's a daughter of Abraham is a pretty good covenant. But the fact is, we can, we can bank on the fact that we have a better covenant than that. An absolute right healing. God healed in the Old Testament. He was known as the healer. He showed himself as the healer. In Exodus 15, 26, he revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. And he's still the God who heals you. First Peter 2, 24 says, if we were, then we are. We are the healed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Exodus 23, 25. Just go over there. I just want you to see these things because I want you to be prepared Next time you need to give somebody or the devil a reason, you know, you've got all these locked down. Amen. You know, healing is something that that we know mentally, but if you're not careful, you will lose a hold of that, of what's in your heart, and it just becomes a mental ascent. Mental assent never gets anyone healed. It all depends on what's on, on the inside, what you know in your heart to be true. Just like you know that two plus two is always going to be four, you always know that God's plan is to heal you. There's never a question. There's never a doubt. There's never any ifs, ands, or buts about it. Maybe it's not his time for you. Maybe it's not his will for you. None of that business you know, you just got to know, and you got to keep it from out of this area and keep it down in here. It's easy, and we've seen it over the years how people have um, encountered a deadly disease in their lives. And, and I, and I, I can think right now of several people over the over the years. I mean, you know, when you pastor almost forty years, you know, you got lots of examples and lots. Of, but you know, people are the same. All the time, They're, we're all the same. We all fall into the same um, places, you know, where we, we're, we're tempted or just we let go of something. But I remember one particular lady who was fighting cancer, breast cancer, and we'd go talk to her, and we'd sit down there. Oh, yeah, I know. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But she never re- re- followed that up with Scripture. All right, it's great to say it's going to be all Okay. You know, when when somebody does that, you know that they're in the mental realm only. Because I'm telling you, when the faith is really in your heart, when it's really down on the inside of you, when it's really settled and established on the inside of you, the word will come out. Not just it's going to be okay. It's a lot more than it's just going to be okay. You, you're, it sounds to me like you're trying to convince yourself it's going to be okay. Listen, when the word is forever settled on the inside of you, it's going to be okay. And that's the only thing you can actually be sure of is when the word is real to you down in here. And nobody and nothing can talk you out of it. Nothing moves you. Nothing, nothing affects you. You know, the world can just be in a tizzy over something. And you're, and you're just calm peaceful, at rest, that's when you know you're in faith. That's when you know, I got it. I got this. I got this. So, you know, over here in Exodus, in, in, uh, verse, in chapter 23, verse 25, it says, And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. You know, we, I pray that. We pray the, over our food. You know, we just thank God that he blesses our bread and water. He takes sickness from the midst of us. He fulfills the number of our days, and he prospers everything we set our hand to. You know, you can, you can cover a lot of territory in a simple prayer when you pray over, the, over your food. But, you know, you need to be reminded of this, that your, your covenant says that healing is the children's bread. It's the children. So when you partake of bread naturally, you need to also think of partaking of bread spiritually. And the bread you take partake of spiritually is healing every single day. You partake of it. just like you eat food to keep your body strong. You partake of spiritual bread every single day to keep your spirit and your body strong. And it, that's it says right here: I will bless your bread and your water. I will take sickness from the midst of you. An Old Testament scripture can be so life-changing, and it can bring you through so much. He said, I will bless you. He didn't put any qualifications on it. He didn't put any parameters on it. He just said, I will bless you. Amen. Let's look at um, Psalms 105, verse 37. There's so many so many places you can go in the Word, you know, that talk about healing. And we're just going to just talk about a very few of them tonight. You know, we've got a whole list of things in the bookstore that you, that are free. You just can just pick up just healing scriptures. And that's not even all of them. I mean, that's just a few. But I'm telling you what, it'll, it'll get you where you need to go. Psalm 105, verse uh, 37. It says, this is the child, talking about the children of Israel. He brought them forth... With silver and gold and there was not one feeble person among their tribes you're talking about a group of what about six million people there was not one now let's face it there were some little ones there's some older ones there's some middle-aged people there's some not so middle-aged people there's some old people in this group. And there's probably some very, very old people in this group. And yet it said there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Not one. They had partaken of the Passover uh, service, they had partaken of that, that, that Passover lamb. You know, the blood of, of the lamb was on the gatepost, and God had protected them, and He was restoring their bodies for the journey they were about to make. I mean, it's amazing when you think about 6 million people. You can't hardly get six people together in a room and be able to say there was not one feeble amongst them, much less 60. How about 600? 6,000? Could we possibly get 6,000 people together and we could say there was not one feeble person amongst them? Not unless you handpicked the people in the group. But this was 6 million. And really, they were handpicked by God. And he established himself in their midst because there was not one feeble person in all their tribes. Listen, if he'd do that in the Old Testament, he can still do that today. There's no reason why we should come into a a body of believers anywhere and, and expect nothing less than the fact that there's not one feeble person amongst us. You know, and I, I really love the fact it said right here as they were coming out of Egypt, there was not one feeble person among them. Then you, you take the story, you know, of them going into the wilderness and, and how they, 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 uh, they disobeyed God and they doubted and they had to wander and they'd sit in the desert for 40 years. And Caleb and Joshua the only two left out of that group, you know, who doubted whether God could bring them into the promised land. And at the end of that 40 years, when it was time to go in, Caleb says, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. It didn't matter how old he was. I mean, folks, he was past social security age. You know, he, he was past that. He was way past that. And he said, give me that mountain. I want that mountain. He chose a place that looked hard because what? He wasn't feeble. His eye wasn't dim. He was ready to go. There's no reason why as we get older, why we have to put up with feeble. No reason. If Caleb could take a mountain and conquer it when he is passed way past 80. Why, why should you and I be any less than that? A man who lived and operated under an old covenant, when you and I have a new and a better way, living on the inside of us every single day, the word on the inside of us making a difference every single day. Every day. Hallelujah. But, you know, it, 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 it just stands to reason that here we all are and we, and we let the enemy you know, get inside our heads, you know, and tell us things that just aren't so. So that's why we have to go back to the word. We have to go back to the reasons. You know, you just go on here with, with the Old Testament. God cannot violate his own word. This is still under, that, under number one because God healed in the Old Testament and he hasn't changed. Hebrews six twelve says it says that he made a promise to Abraham and he swore by himself because there was no greater he could swear by. In Numbers 23, 19, it says that God is not a man, that he should lie. He never changed his name. He never, he never said Jehovah Rapha is not my name anymore. I, I stopped, no, I stopped being Jehovah Rapha. No, he, he, he never said that. He will always be Jehovah Rapha to us. In Isaiah fifty-five eleven, go over there. Isaiah 55, 11. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. Listen, the word of God works. It works. It works. It works. The word never changes because God never changed the one who backs it up has never changed will not change Malachi 3:6 it says I change not and Hebrews 13:8 says Jesus the same yesterday today and forever and if Jesus came to do the works of his father and his father's never changed, then we know what Jesus is. He's still the healing business today. There's too many scriptures pertaining to healing, Old Testament, New Testament, that we can live on, that we can bank on, that we can, we can establish our lives on not to believe it. Okay, number two, because re- reasons why we should expect to be healed. Number two is because Jesus died to atone for our sicknesses as well as for our sins. Why? Because in Romans 16, go there. Now, if you have a Bible that you can't write in, you need to get rid of it and you need to find one that you can write in because there's too many good things for you to write down here because, you know, you just read something and you don't always get the full un- understanding of what it's saying unless you write yourself some notes. When I changed to a new, uh, new Bible here about three years ago, it probably took me six months. I bought a Bible exactly like the one I had before. And I went through it page by page. And I wrote all the same notes in the new Bible that I had in the old Bible. I'm telling you what. Now, we've added some to it. So if I have to go back and do this again at some point, it's going to be a lot tougher. But it took me a long time. to. I wasn't going to give up my one that was falling apart until I had the new one ready to go. But anyway, in Romans 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If you go look it up, that word for salvation is the Greek word sozo. And it literally means deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. All the redemptive acts and processes. Salvation means more than just going to heaven, folks. It means that you and I can live free from sickness. Not only get healed, but stay well. That's what salvation is all about. You know, you, you want to go to heaven, we don't want to go necessarily tomorrow. If you really want to go tomorrow, you know, you, you can. But God wants you here. He's got a purpose for you here. He wants you here. And honestly, when you stop to think about it, God cares about you so much that He provided a path of healing. The enemy hates you so much that He wants to provide a, a path for your death. Because in this life, He is, it's, it's His pleasure to serve up pain and suffering. It's His pleasure to serve you up a, a complete dish of disease. It's His pleasure to serve you up those kind of things because He wants to make an effort to say that what God has said is not really real. What God has said he has provided really isn't real. He wants God's creation to suffer, not because he hates you personally necessarily, but he hates the fact that you are God's creation, that you are God's child, that you are God's property. He wants to take that and he really wants to destroy it. And in our lives, sickness comes in, and we and if we don't nip it in the bud. You know, there's Barney Fife talking. If we don't nip it in the bud when we first see it, then we and we put up with it, and it gets a stronghold. We get to, it gets an avenue into our lives. You know, he really just wants you to focus on that. And so many times, I see sickness and and illness as distractions from what God really has in mind for you to do you know it's hard to focus on the plan of God outside of yourself when you've got to focus on you and your body and getting this thing well and getting this thing healed how can you be a blessing and a minister to someone else when you're having to deal with this if he can get you distracted by having to always be focused on you then then you're not going to be doing the job of focusing on somebody else but there is a way around all that. Hallelujah. And it's called believing God for your healing. Knowing that you're healed and walking on it. I tell you what, there have been so many times when in the midst of something that I was struggling with, I had an opportunity to minister to somebody else in the middle of all that. You know, and just, you know, you just, you just have to put it behind you sometimes. And just say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to focus on it. It's just Abraham. I remember a pastor talking on, uh, doing a sermon about how, you know, Abraham, he didn't dwell on any of the circumstances of his body. In fact, it got to where he wasn't even aware of his body. He knew he was old. He knew he was past a time of being able to father a child. He knew all this stuff. But it, it was so ingrained on him, the promise that God had made to him, that he, didn't, he didn't, wasn't even aware of his own body anymore. You know, that's how you and I can get like that. When the symptoms are there, and they're there, Okay, it's, you're not trying to say they're not there. It's not mind over matter. It's word over symptoms. There's a difference here. You know, the Church of Scientology has come along and made things sound a lot like the word of faith. No, it's not the same. There's a whole heap of difference between them. And uh, you don't just use your mind. You use your heart and the word. That's what makes the difference, not your mind. Your mind needs to be in agreement with, the, with your heart. It needs to be in agreement with the word. But it's not your mind is not the key here. It's your heart that's the key. It's the word that's in your heart that is the key to all of this. Hallelujah. Uh, glory to God. Isaiah 53. You cannot ever talk about Jesus and what he did for us without going to Isaiah 53. Hallelujah. Starting in verse 4. Surely. Surely, starts out with that word, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. If you look that up, those, that word, those words literally mean he has borne our sickness and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him, esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with His stripes, we are healed. Jesus, not changing. He bore all of it. When he died for our sins, he died for our sickness. He wants us to live a life on this earth as a reflection of what we will live like when we get to heaven. We're practicing here. We're practicing what the Word word can do for us here. We won't have to do it there, but here we're putting in the price so we can demonstrate to people that the word really works. Hallelujah. Matthew eight sixteen. Glory to God. Matthew eight sixteen. Hallelujah. Let's just start start in 16 We go to 16 and 17. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed of devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all. All. Not some. Not 95%. Not 99%. Not 99.9%. He healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Hallelujah. Amen. First Peter 2 24. Gotta love it. I'm telling you what, the word bears repeating because it reaffirms itself everywhere you look. 1 Peter 2 24. Glory to God. Who in his own self bear his sin, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by Whose stripes ye were healed. And if you were, then you are. Isn't it amazing that you live life so long and not know these things? When they've been hearing the word all along. I mean, I was raised to know that God's a healing God. But we never knew how you got healed. Not really. It was kind of like push this button, hit this lever, you know, whatever. You know, okay, some got healed, some didn't. Okay, nobody ever ever figured out how you do it well how you do it's written right here in black and white is is understand that you were healed hallelujah you know uh, this is this is healing is for our natural bodies some people say well it's just figurative no it's not figurative it is literally he literally died for my physical body's healing He died to cover every symptom, every sickness, every disease, every infirmity, every malady, every little ache, every little pain, literally every one of them, not just a few of, not just the major ones, but the minor ones as well. You know, we were in a service with Brother Roberts back. Uh, what was it last year? And I just had this had been having this pain down here in this part of this part of my hand. You know, it's connected to your thumb. And you just he called out something with your hand. And I went up. You know, I haven't had any problem with it ever since. That might be a little. That's a little thing. It's not a big huge deal. It's just an annoying. It's not really. A, it doesn't really impact my life all that much. But God's interested in the little things. Every little thing, he's interested, and he's paid the price for every little thing, as well as every big thing and everything in between. Hallelujah. Um, let's see. First Corinthians 6:19. First Corinthians six. Verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, with, if, is God going to make your body the temple? Does he want something wrong with it all the time? No. No. You've been bought with a price. When it says glorify God in your body, we glorify God by staying healed, by staying well, by being able to proclaim that sickness is of the devil and healing is from God and healing belongs to me. It's mine because Jesus paid a price and this body belongs to God. And God's interested in what this body is is doing. God's interested in what this body how this body is functioning. He wants it to function at its highest level. And the way it's going to function at its highest level is to be completely well. And Jesus died to make that a possibility in us. There are no exceptions in in salvation. Does God not want every man to be to be born again? Does he not want every man to know him? Does he not want every man to be part of the family of God? The same thing is true about healing. He wants every man healed. He wants every man whole. He wants every man to, to walk in, in the complete wellness that their body should be walking in. He wants us to experience that on a daily level. Listen, there's healing mercy for people who don't know God. You hear me? There's healing mercy for people who don't know God, he will extend healing mercy to the unsaved. But when you are a born again, blood-bought, blood-washed, child of the living king, you have a right, a divine right. It's not a mercy anymore. It's a divine right to walk in healing, Amen. to expect every symptom in your body to bow at the name of Jesus It's your right. It's not just an add-on, folks. It's not just a, well, if I'm good enough. No, the moment you got born again, you qualify to be healed of every symptom that ever attacks your body. It's not a mercy anymore. Now it's a right. It belongs to you. Amen. Because Jesus bought and paid for it. Over in Numbers twenty one, was talked about the serpent, where the, you know, the snakes had come into the camp and had bitten people. They were dying, and they put this. They put a brass serpent up on a pole and lifted it up, and they said, "If you look on that, you'll be healed." That was a type of Jesus. He was lifted up on a tree for you and me. That that's that was a type of what Jesus was going to endure to pay the price. That just looking at that brass serpent up there. Got people healed then. But I'm telling you what, looking unto Jesus is what will get you healed now. Looking unto him is what will get you healed and keep you healed. Hallelujah. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, it talks about all the blessings and all the cursings. We don't necessarily go over there because I think I'll probably run out of time if I go over there too much. But, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, there, was, there were things that were put in place. If you'll do this and this and this, then you'll be healed people had to you know he, they, there was there were there were parameters put on people's actions because there was no blood covenant with the blood of the only righteous lamb of God available to them yet. They had to depend on the blood of animals. And then they had to depend on, on their, their good works and, and, and living right to be able to walk in the blessings that God had provided for them. That's, that doesn't apply to you and me today. We have a covenant based on the fact that we have a relationship now. We are, we are children of God. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. That's what it's based on now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You don't get healing because you deserve it of your own merits. You you get healing because Jesus deserves it, because of what he did, because of what he's accomplished, because of what he's provided, because of what he's paid. And we go to God and we know that healing belongs to us because of what actions that Jesus took for you and me. Number three, we can expect to get healed because all sickness is a result of Satan's work when he brought sin into the world. And Jesus was made manifest to destroy the works of the enemy. Hebrews 2.14. Hallelujah. Hebrews 2.14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood... He also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Listen, sickness is just death on the installment plan. That's really what it is. It's to bring you one step closer to natural death. But Jesus came to destroy him. It came to destroy the power that is the power of death, that is the devil. He came to do that, and he did that. First John 3, 8. 1 John 3, verse 8. He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's what he came to do. Romans 5.12, I know you know so many of these, but you know what? just is good to look at them again, just to get it reinforced. Romans 5.12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. But it goes down in verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. You and I have been made to reign in life because of Jesus who overcame, who came into this world to destroy the works of the one who destroyed, who's trying to destroy all of us all the time. Hallelujah. And uh, knowing that Jesus came to do all this, you have to understand sickness is an attack on man, God's creation. I said that a while ago. The enemy hates you just because you're God's creation, because you're the apple of his eye, because you are the cornerstone of everything. Really, of the creation process. I mean, he created the sun, the stars, the moon, the the oceans, the, the atmosphere, the mountains, the valleys, the animals, the trees. He created all. He got it all together. And then his masterpiece was man. And Satan knows you're God's masterpiece. You're his divine handiwork. And he wants to do all he can to destroy you and to destroy the work that God has put into you. But we're not going to let him do that because John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You know, what's, what's even better to the enemy is not only can he put sickness on people, but what's the feather in his cap is if he can get people to blame God for the sickness. Say, well, you know, God put this on me. Or, well, well God's chosen not to heal me because, because of da 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 And I've never figured out why that, you know, i never figured out that line of reasoning. I, I just don't get it. You know, I know people say that all the time. But it's not so. God doesn't put anything on anybody. And God doesn't keep healing from anybody for, for any particular reason. For no reason at all. I mean, there's nothing, there is no reason God withholds healing from anybody on his part. Now, you and I sometimes are not in a position to receive healing because we don't believe the word, because it's not real to us. You know, maybe there's, maybe there's something in the, that's clogging up the pipes, you know, that we, 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 can't, we can't receive what God's trying to get to us because there's something blocking. Let me tell you, if you're not walking in love, it'll clog the pipes up. There are other things that will clog the pipes up. But that's not God's issue. That's not God saying, well, I'm not going to heal you because this. He's just going, you have to clean the pipe out. Come on. Do something. He's not withholding anything. He's trying his best to get it to you. And it's up to us to recognize when there's something standing between us and receiving what God is trying to get to us. It's never God withholding. It's us not being able to get to it because we're not doing something we ought to be doing. You know, I, I was listening to somebody just the other day. He was talking about about something where they they were walking around with an attitude about something with somebody, and uh, and just I mean had a real nasty attitude towards them just were not walking in forgiveness toward this person and they didn't say exactly what it was didn't need to know but you know how the fact that they realized at some point just suddenly it just came on them that i'm not getting what i need because i'm holding something against this person and they just went to god and said god i am so sorry forgive me now they did not say and I thought later, I thought, well, I wonder, you know, if God had them. Do, sometimes you have to go to that person. Sometimes you're just, you're just holding it heart and they never had a clue that you're upset with them, that you're, that you're mad, that you're angry, that you're bitter toward them for any reason. They may not know it at all. So that's something that you can just deal with, you know, just you and God. But if that other person knows that you're in strife with them, sometimes God will say, you need to go to them and make it right. Well, you do that enough times and you'll guard your heart a little bit more. You know, I heard Keith Moore say that one time that God made him pick up the phone and call somebody and repent to them even though they had no idea he was harboring any ill will against them. But God made him pick up the phone and call them and, and repent and ask them for their forgiveness. He said, it won't take but once or twice of that, you know, and, and you'll, you'll learn to do better. You know, so, you know, God's not withholding anything. But the enemy has gotten, this, he has gotten a foothold in the lives of Christians, making them think that there's some reason why God has chosen not to heal them. God has never chosen not to heal one of his own. Never. The reason I can say that is if you go through the New Testament with Jesus, and he came in contact with everybody, he said so many places, he said he healed them all. There's a couple places where it says he said he could not do any mighty works because of their unbelief, because of their unbelief, not because he wasn't prepared to heal, but because on their end they weren't, they weren't going to receive. So just know that, that if the enemy ever tries to tell you that God's chosen not to heal you, that he's nothing but a liar and the father of liars. Hallelujah. Because in Acts 10, 38, talks about Jesus, said he went everywhere. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And that's really what sickness is. It's an oppression of the devil. Um, you skip on down. Number four, the reason why we can expect to be healed is because the same spirit that worked through Jesus and raised him from the dead is still here. Hallelujah. Luke Luke 4.14. Luke 4.14. Hallelujah. It says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region. And he taught in their synagogues. We're just going to keep on going to get down to verse eighteen, and it says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, you could stop right there in the middle. As his custom was, he went into the Sabbath on the on the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he opened the book he found the place where it was written the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he hath sent me to heal the broken heart to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord listen Jesus said the spirit of the the Lord is upon me. You and I can read that verse and you can say the same thing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The same Spirit that was upon Jesus, that same Spirit is upon me. Hallelujah. Uh, Acts 10, 30. I think we've already referred to this just a second ago, but we'll just let's just take a look at it real quick. I just want you to see it so you'll remember it and go back to it. 38. how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power and when he did that, what happened? Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And I tell you what—here's my favorite: Romans eight eleven. Hallelujah! Romans eight eleven. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Oh, can you imagine? Was well, pastor was just talking about that here just a Sunday or so ago, about that same power that raised Jesus up, that same power that quickened him quickens you and me. Can you imagine the intensity, the enormity, the vastness, the awesomeness of the power that reached down into hell and raised Jesus up from the dead, took him out of a place of torment, took him out of a place That no man had gone to before and had come back from, he reached down in there and he pulled him out of there. That same spirit now lives on the inside of you. Can it not quicken your mortal body? Are you kidding me? Come on, of course it can of course it does. Of course it will. Of course it's working in you. The same spirit that raised him up is at work in you. It lives and abides on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. He's the same. He's the same Holy Ghost that reached into hell. And he's the same Holy Ghost that can reach into your body and pull out whatever the enemy's tried to put in there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Uh, number five. Because this is one of the reasons why you can expect to be healed because Jesus' last great commission and God's direct command involves healing. Matthew 9, 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. Glory to God. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. This is what Jesus was doing, folks. Matthew 28, 18. We see Jesus healing in all these places. We see his his commission. You know, we see him saying, go do what I've been doing. In in Matthew 28, 18, 18, it says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth And go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things of which I have commanded you. Isn't that what he's doing? He's he's telling them to do just what he'd been doing. Now go with me to Mark. Mark uh, chapter 16, verse 15. Same thing, but got a little bit more uh, detail here. It says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils that shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then, after that, the Lord had spoken to them. He was received into heaven, sat on the right hand Father, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. He's still confirming his word today. Hallelujah. Because over in John 14, 12, John 14, verse 12. It says, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. I mean, it was a tall order when Jesus said, you go out and do what I've been doing. But then he comes over here and he says, ah, greater works than these shall you do. Greater works, because I go to the Father, greater works shall you do. Hallelujah. James 5.14. James 5.14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. I'm telling you what, you and I have been given a great commission. You've been given a great authority. We've been given great power. And God has given that to us with great expectation of us using it and having the same results that Jesus had. And even more. And even more. And even more. He didn't tell you to do what you were unable to do. He didn't tell you to do something that may or may not happen depending on the weather today. Oh, it's a rainy day. Let's not let's not do the healing thing today. No. Healing is always available. And healing is something that we should take not only for ourselves, but we should be out there spreading it around. Hallelujah. So if we can lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. Hallelujah. Now, last, and I've got just a few minutes. Number six. We know that we can expect healing because of his marvelous promises, the fulfillment of which depends altogether upon the exercise of our own faith. Now, isn't it wonderful to know that for us to experience this just depends on us? See, the problem with a lot of people is they want to put the responsibility all on God. Whether they get healed or not, oh, well, God, God didn't heal me. Didn't no, my my thinking is how much easier it is for me to change a situation knowing that it's within my power to change it instead of thinking I could change God. Me? Change God? No. See, that's why God never changes because he can stay the same to every single person all the time, in every situation, no matter the circumstance. But when I understand that whether I receive healing or not is up to me, then that power lies within my own hands and my own thinking and my own heart. I can do something about that. Matthew 21, 22. Some people just don't want to be responsible. They don't want to take the responsibility of saying that, I, you know, I can do something about this. Listen, I've been in, in many, many a place where, where I just, I wasn't in faith for something. And I knew that, you know, and I knew it wasn't God's problem. It was my problem, not God's. But I knew I could do something about that. was power was within me to do something about that, to change that situation. Matthew 21, on all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. When people say to you, well, God didn't answer my prayers. You know, here's a good answer for them. All things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. That's the key. You think God didn't answer your prayers, huh? Because God chose not to answer your prayers. No, right here. All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. What's those first three things? Those first three words there? And all things. And all things. And all things. Whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Matthew 28:18 Okay, let's go back over there. All power is given to me in heaven and on earth, go ye. It tell it's basically telling you I've just given you this power. This same power is now resides in you. You go do what I've been doing. You go take care of the problem. Matthew 11, I mean Mark 11, and you know these verses. I know you know these verses. Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whatsoever you say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. How much more clear can that get? Matthew 16, 15, he commissioned them to go. John 14, I mean, no, we're in the wrong spot here. Uh, Ma, uh, John 15, verse 7. John 15, verse 7. Never hurts to repeat a verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done in you. Matthew 9, 29. Got your fingers to work out here tonight. It's okay. Glory to God. Matthew 9, verse 29. Jesus said this, according to your faith, be it unto you. Pretty simple, isn't it? According to your faith, be it unto you. Matthew 19, verse 26, and Mark 10, verse 27, both say the same thing. It says, what's impossible to man, with God all things are possible. In Mark 9, 23, it says, all things are possible to him who believes. Matthew 13, 58, Mark 6, 6 tells us this fact that the people were not healed because of their unbelief. Matthew 17, verses 17 through 20 talks about faithless. Well, let's just look at that when you're close by. Matthew 17. Verse 17 through 20. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. This is when the the, uh, disciples came to him and could not cast the devil out of this little boy. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. It didn't say, nothing will be impossible to me. It said, nothing will be impossible to you. If you just have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, nothing shall be impossible to you. We get the idea sometimes that it just takes this mountain This massive amount of faith to get something done. Listen, faith as the grain of a mustard seed can move mountains. Can move mountains. Hallelujah. So let's just kind of review. So reasons you should expect to be healed. Number one, because God healed in the Old Testament and he's not changed. Number two, because Christ died to atone for our sicknesses as well as our sins. Number three, because all sickness is a result of Satan's work and Christ came to destroy his work. Number four, because the same spirit that ro- worked through Jesus and raised him from the dead is still here and on the inside of me. Because, number five, because Jesus' last great commission and God's direct command involves healing. And number six, because of his marvelous promises, you and I know we are healed. Amen. Hallelujah. So the next time the enemy comes at you and says, what makes you think you're going to get healed? You got six good points here to let him know, you know, just where he stands in this thing. But you need to be convinced of it. You need to be sure of it. You need to be absolutely, absolutely ready to stand on the word of God because that is what gets you healed and keeps you healed. The word never changes. God's word always accomplishes that it's what it sets out to do. You just hang on. You and when it doesn't seem like it's working, you know that it is working. You know that it is working because God's word doesn't come back with a job not accomplished. Amen.